Well, we have a, a very lovely and full day today of worship, and what a blessing to hear folks' testimony like that, you know, of, of the transformation that God has brought about in the lives of individuals, and that's what we pray for this season, and in the foyer as you came in, um, you would have seen a book table there, and so I want to just mention a few things that are on the table to share. This is a good time to buy some Christmas gifts, by the way, but um, on there, there's a couple of resources that I just want to um, promote. Tracts. This is, um, my wife and I have been considering how blatantly Christian we can be and be normal during this season, right? This is our holiday. It's a Christmas holiday. So um, there are some lovely tracks out there, and you can buy them in packs at a reduced rate. Um, and so I want to encourage you, grab a few tracks. And so when you meet people, um, you can invite them to our services, give them a little tract as well. Um, maybe give a little gift alongside of that through the season. It's a really comfortable season of the year to be a witness for the Lord in a bold way like that. So these tracks are a great resource. We've come through a study this year in Matt Chandler. Just by show of hands, who, who was part of the Matt Chandler study um, just recently? Well, Matt Chandler's got a little Christmas book out there for sale. Um, so knowing him as an author and a preacher um, might be somebody you identify with and then can promote to somebody else. And then Tim Keller, one of my, well, actually, it's Amber's favorite theologian. Uh, my favorite theologian is, does anyone know? Um, John Piper, I've mentioned him a few times. Well, Tim Keller has written a lovely book called Hidden Christmas, in fact, inspired some of the devotion for tonight as we come to our carol service, and that's on special, so I might keep this one for myself, seeing as that's such a good deal. And then for the kiddos, there's a, a Christmas promise, little advent calendar. Our, our kids um, do that, the advent calendar winding up for Christmas. So there's some resources for you, along with a whole lot of others, a host of others that you could use for Christmas gifts, and you'll recognize the authors out there. So if you need an opinion, um, ask one of our pastors or elders, and um, Sia is also out there with brilliant advice when it comes to the books as well. All right, I'm going to do this one more time. If you're sitting on a pillow, I'd like you to hold that up in the air, please. All right, I'm sorry to make you uncomfortable for just a minute. Hold them high, I want to see what it looks like now. All right, I think we need to give Clotilda a, a round of applause and the Siazama ladies. <clears throat> This is not all of the pillows. We're still going to make a, a few more, but um, this is what I'd like us to do. When you see Clotilda, before she goes on leave, which is in the next little while, would you give her a hug on my behalf? Just go up to her, give her a big hug. She'll know what it's for. Um, or you can mention, this is for the pillows, and just give her a big squeeze. She's a nice person to hug. Have you ever hugged Clotilda before? <laughs> so I, I would highly recommend that, and um, it's going to look really beautiful when it's done. This is Siazama, lady. Some of the training there at Siazama. So Elmarie, thank you for your input there. Uh, just being a blessing to their church. Cameron mentioned the top 10. I want to just uh, repeat that. And then I mentioned something about Cameron with some measure of sadness, but gladness as well. Over the last little while, Cameron and the elders of the church have been praying together. Um, Cameron has sensed um, the call of God into a new season of life and ministry. Um, and he has signed up for an internship at a school locally and wants to pursue some more studies in the area of edu education. And so Cameron has tendered his resignation to the church. So I know there's a little bit of heaviness when you hear the news, but I wanted to just announce that today and then give Cameron the opportunity in two weeks' time, on the 15th, to share his story with our church. Um, it's a day where we're going to be celebrating the children's ministry here. And so I want to encourage you to come that week, be a part of hearing Cameron's testimony. And he's not leaving KBC, so don't panic. He's still going to be around and involved very much. We're going to rope him into everything because Cameron's our muscle. 
um, in the church. But other than that, just to let you know, as the rumor spreads and as the news goes out, that Cameron has tendered his resignation and we've accepted that um, and we give him his blessing as he starts this new, new chapter, Cam. So God bless you, buddy. All right, I want to draw in a few loose ends as we turn to God's word this morning. Today is an unusual Sunday because we start Advent, we have our carol service a little bit later, so there's Christmas flavor in the air. Um, at the same time, we finished our series in 1 Samuel, starting something new today, but it's a baptism Sunday, it's a communion Sunday. So I want in this little devotion to draw in all those loose ends and tie it around one passage in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, and it's an unusual passage for today, I think, in terms of Christmas. It's the, the, the narrative story of Jesus' baptism. And before I get there, I'm going to make an introduction that will kind of, um, I think, explain where we are um, today in God's Word. I've entitled this time in God's Word, Good Tidings, Good Tidings. Um, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You know the story? How does it go from there? Good tidings we bring, or you bring, to you and your kin. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Um, the or origins of this carol or festive song um, seem to be, there's a lot of gray around the, the, the beginnings of this little carol at the Christmas season, but the origins seem to be something secular when there were poor folk that used to move around the streets, trying to imagine this, and they would go from house to house during this festive season and they would be asking for arms and for food and that type of thing. And they would get that kind of reply or positive reply by singing carols and wishing this, this carol upon homes. That, hence the, the idea in the second verse about figgy pudding and we won't go until we get some. All of that language explains the context of what's going on here. Well, when I, I looked at this um, a few years ago, together with our, our music director of the church, we decided to change the words to make it more of a Christian blessing, because the song really in itself is purely secular. But now we decided to make it somewhat Christian by saying this, we wish you a blessed Christmas, we wish you a blessed Christmas and a happy new year. Good tidings we bring to you from our king, not kin, but king. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We've taken the last few months as a church to celebrate the King of Kings seen in the life of the King David in 1 Samuel. So there's a little connection there as well. But what I want to hone in on in that carol is those, that little phrase, good tidings. What are good tidings? Try to imagine people in the streets singing carols and then bringing this blessing to homes. The good tidings refers to good news. So at the beginning of Advent, Amber and I want to extend to you um, the well-wish of a blessed Christmas. And we really are trusting. We've been praying that our church would experience a rich blessing of the Lord through this season, and you and your family as well. So that's from us to you. But then the good news is what I want to hone in on and focus in on in this text. What is the good news that is spoken about, the good tidings that are spoken about in this greeting. Well, good tidings refers to good news or gospel. And I wanna mention a quote here to begin with by N.T. Wright. He says this, the whole Christian gospel, the whole Christian good news, the whole Christian tidings can be summed up in this, 
that when the living God looks at us, so imagine the scene, when God looks at us, at every baptized and believing Christian, he says to us what he said to Jesus on the day of his baptism. And what did he say on, on that day? Well, in the essence of the theology expressed by God the Father to God the Son on the day of his baptism, these are the things that were said. He sees us, God sees us, not as we are in ourselves, but as we are in Christ Jesus. That's why the t-shirt of the baptisms today mentioned that. We are found in the Lord. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Our identity has completely shifted now to be children of God and members of a church family. Let me just mention that quote one more time. When the living God looks at us, at every baptized and believing Christian, he says to us what he said to Jesus on the day of his baptism. He sees us not as we are in ourselves, but as we are in Christ Jesus. So, now I want to look at that. I'd like to go to Mark chapter 1 and look at what the Father said to the Son, draw a few conclusions that will lead us to this table. And, uh, and, and help us and aid us in our worship of the Lord today. Let's read the text. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, which is a very vivid picture for us right now, as Jesus came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit, capital S, descending on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said two very important things. You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Why are those phrases important? Well, the first one deals with a massive theology of our new identity in Christ, and that is the theology of adoption. Look at the words. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved son. Adoption, you are now a part of my family. You are now in the family of God. I am your father, you are the son, and all the rights and privileges um, of sonship are bestowed upon you by the father in adoption. The second doctrine that is covered by the second phrase, with you I am well pleased, is the doctrine of justification. That we have been made right in the eyes of God. God looks upon a sinner and can consider the sinner as a just and holy judge can consider the sinner to be right because of the work of Jesus on the cross. And because of that work, we can be considered to be justified. Just as if I have never sinned is the consideration of the Father for his children. Surely, church, this is good tidings, right? This is good news from the King. And now with this picture fresh in our mind, you know, coming into the water, let's just get the picture right, we saw it today, coming into the water, there is this lovely idea of Jesus coming into our sin. He came into our sin, and Christmas time is a celebration of the fact that God, in the form of the Son, would come into our situation. He wouldn't just save us from a distance, kind of like fish us from heaven, you know, from a distance, but he would come into our sin into our condition, the Bible even says that he became sin for us. That's the picture that is given in the waters of baptism as we come into the water. Another component of that picture is the going under the water, which of course is Jesus' burial, dramatized for us to see. How that Jesus would come into this world, 
But then beyond that, he would be humiliated, as theologians say, humiliated to the grave, as he would go into the grave for us. He would be buried dead for us. There's a third little component about the picture of baptism I want to draw on, and that is the coming out of the water. How that Jesus was, after his death and his burial, raised to life. He rose from the dead, victorious, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, very, very clearly from the book of 1 Samuel. He, he rose to new, new life, victorious over death, over sin, over hell, over Satan, even over the fury of God being spent upon sinners. As uh, sinners born in this world, we have the, the just and right anger of God burning toward us because of our wrongdoing, our sinfulness, our rebellion in our heart. And now the son would take that rebellion, um, that, 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 the punishment rather, the punishment and the fury and the anger on himself. It would be spent on the son and on the cross so that we would avoid those penalties. Jesus victorious. The coming out of water pictures Jesus' victory over death. And last Sunday we spent time considering the victory of our Savior over sin, death, and hell, and Satan, and all of these things. There's one more component of the four. The coming into water, the going underwater, the coming out of water, and then the washing. There's a fourth component, the washing. The waters there are, are given to us as a symbol of the washing pure of our sin. How that the candidates of baptism have made a decision to follow Christ, they have received the gracious salvation of the Lord um, only made possible by the work of Jesus on the cross, radically saved, they are declaring in this drama, they're saying, this has happened to me, I've been washed, I've been forgiven, I've been given eternal life, my, my, my record of wrongs has been canceled out in full by Jesus Christ. And so when God looks at me, he doesn't see me in my own standing, he sees me in my standing in Christ, a new creation. So what a lovely picture that is of washing, and we've been forgiven and washed pure. So that in Christ, we can be considered to be sons of God, daughters of God. In Christ, God can now be pleased with us, where before, he could not. He could not be pleased with us. In no way could he be pleased with us. But now, by the work of Jesus, he can say these words. Just as he said to, to, to Jesus on the, in that occasion of his baptism, you are my son, you are my daughter, with you I am well pleased. I've got a couple of personal questions to ask you coming to this table today. And I want you to take these to heart in light of what has been said today. First thing, are you a baptized and believing Christian? In this church, we believe very strongly that baptism is an act of obedience to God's word. A drama of something that has already taken place in your, in your heart made public. It is a summary what ha happened just now for Carol and Vanessa is a summary of their conversion experience now made known in the community. So I'll ask you again, have you been, are you a baptized and believing Christian? Somebody has put their faith in the Lord alone, the question that was asked in the water for their salvation. If that is true of you, and you can say, yes, I am, I'm a baptized, believing be Christian, then what is true of your life is that your life has been linked, the Bible says, mysteriously to Jesus. The word we use for this table is the word communion. For that very reason, 
that we enjoy communion with Christ. Our life is mysteriously linked to Him so that when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, think about the mystery here. Our sin died with Him. The record of our sin, the the penalty for our sin was all paid for at that moment 2,000 years ago and applied to our life in the days of our conversion. Our life mysteriously linked to Him in death, in burial for, for Vanessa and Carol today. Linked to Jesus mysteriously in the burial of Christ as we are buried underwater. And also in the resurrection to new life in the Lord. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty. Sin is dead. When, when, when Jesus was, was buried, of course, and then raised from the dead, we, we enjoy the benefits of his resurrection power. He was raised to eternal life as we will one day be raised to eternal life that was purchased and worked, achieved for us in the death and the resurrection of Christ. So, I have a simple gospel outline for you this morning that I want us all to be mindful of. Not only today as we take communion, but also in the days that lie ahead going up to Christmas, you can share the gospel in these three little truths about Jesus. Write them down somewhere. First one, Jesus humbly came. The second one, Jesus innocently died. And the third one, Jesus victoriously rose. Somebody may ask you, what's the reason for the season? Why do you guys go to town about Christmas? What's, what's behind all this? It's not Santa and Christmas trees. It's the good tidings that I'm sharing with you this morning. Good news. That, in, that is covered by these three categories. Jesus humbly came into our sin. There's the baptism picture. Into the water into our sin, becoming sin for us. He innocently died. While he was perfect, innocent. He died in nature and behavior. He, died, he was innocent. He died in our place. He innocently died in our place. And thirdly, Jesus victoriously rose, conquering these various components, Satan and hell and sin, the just anger of God that we deserve to face. Jesus faced it on our behalf and rose victoriously, triumphant over all these things. One more time. Jesus humbly came. He innocently died. And thirdly, he rose victorious. He victoriously rose. Here's the invitation. If you are a believer, to come and join us at this table now. This is a family table. It's a table for believers. You might be visiting in town. You might be a guest because of the baptisms this morning. And if you're a believer in the Lord, we welcome you to come and join at this table, adopted into a family, justified by God through the work of Jesus. You're welcome to come and join at this table. If not, there is a second invitation. And the invitation is to come to Christ. Come to Him. May this be a Christmas different to others. May this be the Christmas where you take the blame for your sin this morning and say to the Lord privately in your heart, Lord, I have wronged you. I've rebelled against you. I've chosen myself and other things and other pleasures above you. I've put you second place instead of first. These are the kinds of prayers that can be prayed. To agree with the Lord that I have fallen short of what he expects of me. And I need someone to save me. That's the first step. To take the blame. Admit your need for a savior. The second step would be to turn from your sin. To find the Lord more attractive than the thing that you've been pursuing. It might be your own image, your own wealth, your own career your own pleasures, and that list is long. I don't have time for it this morning, but you know in your heart what it is. 
the thing that has replaced God, the thing that has become idle in your heart, that you worship and you spend your money on and your time on and your, you invest your efforts in, that thing needs to be turned from and God has to be embraced. Jesus Christ has to be embraced. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit in these moments, while we take the Lord's Supper, the Holy Spirit will lay on your heart the need and the attractiveness, the beauty of Jesus for you to grab hold of him wholeheartedly and let go of other things. Turn to him. Thirdly, trust his work. We don't stand a chance outside of Jesus. God would be separate. We would be separated from him. We would be guilty, not innocent. There's no way that we can work ourselves out of our sin. Yet, on the cross, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died for us and completed a work for our entire salvation, our whole salvation, that we can be rescued because he died on our behalf, paying a penalty we could not pay. Come to him. Come to the table if you know him. If not, come to Christ this morning. Share in the good tidings of Christmas, church, as we start the Advent season today. Starting even maybe after church, phoning somebody and saying, come be a part of our carol service. Not too late to do that. Share the good news of Christmas. Use the season to the gospel's advantage. I beg of you, as your pastor, take every opportunity, buy a, a pack of 50 tracts and hand those out to folk and invite them to the services here at church and invite them to meet with you to explain what, what Christmas is all about. Jesus humbly coming, his innocent death and his victorious resurrection. That's simple as it is. So take the good tidings of Christmas and share them with friends and family. There'll be so many opportunities, I guarantee you, through this season. Good tidings of good news from or about Jesus, our King. Amen? As we come to the Lord's um, Supper now, I want to um, mention two names of two new members that are coming into our our service um, today and into our, our church family. Um, they've been interviewed and they've been uh, visited and we've talked through the gospel work in their lives and um, the result of it is, is that we want to recommend them as names for, for membership this morning in our church. And so I'm going to ask Cindy if you'd come and join me. Where are you, Cindy? Oh, she's on her way, some of the kids. And uh, Steve Harburn, you here as well. Um, I think Steve's here. 